0: Hello and welcome to the Stop Devaluation Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the Stop Devaluation Movement, Melody Hilton. The heart of this movement is to see the value in all of humanity and live courageous lifestyles of using our power for good instead of harm. We can affect change by choosing validation over judgment, and I hope you'll take your place and make a positive impact in this world. It is so easy for assumptions to be made about what a person can or cannot become. We can label a person based upon where they grew up, their family dynamics, and how they were treated by their peers, and simply say, it's impossible to come out of those situations unscathed. It is true that the more challenging our childhood, the more we have to navigate through. But the fact is, we can overcome. On today's episode, we will meet a young man who faced gangs, violence, bullying, and drugs, but yet, with the encouragement of a mentor, his negative life experiences no longer defined him. Join us on today's interview. It is my honor and privilege to introduce you to this amazing young man that I've gotten to know over the last few years, Justin Tucker. Thank you so much for joining us, Justin.
1: Thanks, Melody. It's great to be on the show.
0: (laughs) I'm really thrilled uh, to hear your story, Uh, Because I know that your story will probably relate to so many people. So could you share some things that happened in your life, maybe even as a child, that challenged you, that caused you not to see the fullness of your value or this amazing treasure that you hold?
1: Well, yeah, it seems like there were a number of things, really, from my childhood growing up that would have um, caused me to believe those lies about myself and feel devalued, not good enough, etc. cetera. Um, the first thing, really off the bat, is just growing up without a father figure in my life. I was mm-hmm. raised by my grandmother and mother. And so it was a real struggle growing up trying to find my place in life and with other people as I was kind of awkward. So I didn't relate well to anyone. So it was hard to make friends, it seemed like. Aww. There's that and just being exposed to uh, all kinds of people in the neighborhood and not the best scenarios with gangs and drug dealers and just other kids that were probably going through very similar things to me and expressed their frustrations through anger, violence, and drug use.
0: Wow like i'm yeah. I'm amazing, I knew a little bit, but I didn't realize you were in such a a violent environment
1: yeah, definitely i I can remember being bullied off and on through from a young age up until middle school and infrequently in high school.
0: Did you live with a lot of fear?
1: I did at uh, one point in my life where especially in middle school was where it really started getting bad. I would be on the school bus every day and uh, I was just different and I didn't fit in with anyone really. So I just was the object of uh, angst and violence and bullying. I remember I would be wondering what would happen every day that I would get on there because it would always be something different, some sort of different scenario every day. And it was almost like, you know, like wanton violence was like not really just premeditated or anything like that but it felt like every bit of it was planned and calculated you know like going through it because there would be things from rubber bands flying by me and hitting me in the head to portable cd player batteries that were you know obviously of no use anymore hitting me in the head and just people trying to incite me to anger and violence and to fight back or do anything like that and even if I would refuse to fight back, sometimes I would still get hit in the face or, you know, just anything like that.
0: That's a lot for a child to go through. So how how did that affect you emotionally in the sense of your value and your worth?
1: Really, it was very hard for me to see value in myself. And emotionally, I just carried around a lot of Uh, Built up anger, turmoil, depression, anxiety, um, just really loneliness because outside of my grandmother and uh, family, I really didn't have anyone to relate to or talk with or get any sort of fellowship with. So I just kind of, I mean, I had friends here and there, you know, and not saying that everybody was my enemy, but I had a few friends off and on but really it was mostly just me trying to you know go through the daily motions of like suppressing any and all emotions and you know just through that and so you can imagine just any form of love that would be shown to me through grandmother or mother or anything you know would just be almost resented in a way you know because I would be questioning my value and other people's motives just Mm. because of the things that had happened to me.
0: Wow. So it was very difficult for you to even receive love from those who did love you.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Oh my goodness. And even you talked about, uh, you didn't use this word, but isolation, it was like you were in a survival mode, isolating yourself just to protect yourself.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So Was there anyone in your life as you began to grow up that began to see value or worth in you that began to shift the way you saw yourself, shift um, you out of thinking, out of a survival mode into, I can accomplish, I can become something. Was there anything that began to take place in your life?
1: Yeah, just off and on through my grandmother really trying to encourage me to um, just, just keep pressing forward and to just believe in, you know, just believe in myself. And, you know, she was a praying woman, so she was praying for me all the time. And, you know, she just encouraged me with that. And, you know, at the time, just going through all that stuff, you know, I was like, you know, whatever, that doesn't work, you know? And, um, so I was just completely rebellious to everything, any sort of emotion or, love or care directed towards me. So, you know, she was always there as a positive reinforcement in my life.
0: Is there an aspect of your life where you didn't know how to receive it, so you rejected it, but internally you wanted to hear it?
1: I had always, I mean, yes, I'd always wanted to, I had wondered what it would feel like to have that kind of relationship. Mm. And so I just I just didn't know what it looked like.
0: Aww. You didn't have an experiential reality of an exchange of love or life beyond your grandmother.
1: Yeah, I had my mother and my grandmother and just uh, other various aspects of my family. But, you know, those were the main two that really just were just there in the background that I could always remind myself of that they would be there.
0: So what were some of the catalysts in your life that began to reshape your life?
1: Really, it was just later in life. I was probably around 21 to 22 years old when I met a a pastor in the area. And, you know, he just began to get to know me and make himself available to me and help me just through through life's situations by helping me work and get a job and also was there to support me as a mentor figure. And that was huge to me. You know, it's like I always wonder what motivates people to to put themselves out there like that and, you know, just stay such a selfless, mentor figure to do that really just opened my eyes to a lot of things.
0: Wow, that is huge because that's really what this Stopped Evaluation Movement is about. It is about uh, motivating people to be that value generator, motivating people to be able to see worth in others, to speak into their lives and make investments and see them as, as a treasure that can be unearthed and that they too can impact their world for good. That is beautiful, Justin. And so uh, you just began because it was consistent, because uh, he began to build trust. What were some of the character traits or the attributes of this mentor that began to shape the way you viewed yourself?
1: Well, really, it was just the aspects of a, of a dad, really, oh. that I would always consider you know, what it would be like to have a dad growing up and you know, just things along those lines. So just when this person just started reaching out to me in this way, it really just opened my eyes to, wow, this is what having a dad would be like. Because Aww. they're like, yeah, definitely so so selfless and, you know, just reaching out for, for my good was really nothing in return. They didn't ask for anything really in return.
0: Oh my, I have goosebumps right now. (laughs) That is just so beautiful. So now Justin, I know the man that you are now. And so tell me how in your life you generate value into others, how you pay it forward as it were.
1: Honestly, it's really in a, in a constant, I'm in a constant state of self-evaluation and Mm. like positive comparison, not, comparing myself to other people and finding fault, but comparing myself to successful individuals, such as this mentor, pastor, father figure, and just finding all of the good traits and attributes in them, and then finding ways to unlock those in myself. Mm. And, And in that, you know, I'm becoming, over the years I've become, more selfless and giving to other people who are in adverse or any kind of situation. You know, people that have just gone through what I've gone through and just somehow just made it to where they're at, but they still undergo a lot of mental exhaustion and repercussions of their childhood. So somehow I just come across their path, you know, and I just look to instill that value in them. Everything that I, I didn't have, I try to just be that, that, you know, mentor or inspiring person that you may just meet once or a dad figure or any of that stuff. And I've just found that just being a positive and motivating, motivational individual really just has all of the benefits, you know, that I kind of reap from my mentor figure. And I just want to see that duplicated and replicated in other people's lives.
0: That is awesome. Really, you went from a very needy, wounded place, and someone began to invest into you as a father figure. And that began to bring healing on the inside of you. Now, instead of being driven to meet your need, because your need is met by a validating person, you are turning around and meeting the needs of others. So the same healing that you needed, now you are giving to others, empowering them to be successful. Exactly. Hey, and that's really fulfilling, isn't it?
1: It really is. <laughs> I mean, there's no, no real joy like it, honestly.
0: Yeah, it can be very addicting, uh, speaking life and courage and hope into people.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> oh, Justin, thank you so much for making this investment today. Thank you for being one that was willing to let go of the old to embrace the new, that's willing to assess themselves to become better, to impact their world for good. You are a good man, Justin, and I'm so honored to know you.
1: Thanks so much, Melody. It's great chatting with
0: you. Oh, you too. Thanks for joining us on My Story. I want to thank you for listening and encourage you to become a part of the Stop Devaluation movement. Be sure to like and follow hashtag StopDevaluation on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and visit StopDevaluation.com. For more information and free resources, you can help spread the movement by sharing with others, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and most of all, by living a courageous lifestyle of using your power for good. Go out and value someone today. Your life matters, and you can make the world a better place, one word, one choice, one action of validation at a time.